0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the STC Podcast. In this episode, you'll be hearing a discussion between two STC legends, Peter Carroll and John Gaydon. In 2023, Peter and John appeared in our production of Patricia Cornelius's Do Not Go Gentle, which marks over 60 productions each with the company. To celebrate this incredible achievement, this special conversation, hosted by another STC legend, Bruce Spence gives us a behind-the-scenes look at these artists' iconic careers and their instrumental roles during the formative years of STC. This discussion was originally recorded at an event for our community of donors and Sydney Theatre Company's soulmates, those generous patrons who have left a gift to the company in their will. The event celebrated the people, both our artists and audiences, who have helped make the company what it is today. Before we begin the discussion, we'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, on whose lands and waters all Sydney Theatre Company productions, including this podcast, are created. We pay our respects to their Elders past and present, and we extend that respect to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people with whom we work and with whom we share stories. And now, here's STC Executive Director Anne Dunn to introduce the panel.
1: Hello everyone, how are you? My name's Ann Dunn. I'm the Executive Director here at Sydney Theatre Company's absolutely a great honour and pleasure to have you all here. Um, I'd like to begin by acknowledging that we're gathered here today on the lands of the Gadigal and pay my respects to Elders past and present and future and extend those respects to any First Nations people here with us today. Thank you so much for joining us for what I know is going to be a very special In Conversation event as part of our STC Soulmates program. It's my very great pleasure to have with us two, well three really, icons of the stage, Peter Carroll and John Gayden, indeed. Where he, he, here, we here at STC are immensely proud that Peter and John continue to return to The Wharf, where they're rehearsing for Do Not Go Gentle. Uh, we're also, of course, incredibly honored to have Bruce Benz, who's going to be <laughs> emceeing today. Bruce is, of course, Assistant Director on Do Not Go Gentle, so he doesn't get off too lightly either. Uh, I'd like to also extend a very warm welcome to our STC soulmates and those considering leaving a gift in their will, as well as special members of our donor family. Our community of supporters has been key in sustaining STC through these very challenging years and we really sincerely thank you. Uh, It's always a very meaningful moment. Yeah, I think that deserves a round of applause, absolutely, thank you. (laughs) Um, It's a meaningful moment and special moment at STC when we receive news that the company is to receive a gift left in their will. Those gifts allow us to plan for the future and to create sustainability for the company. We deeply appreciate them. When a patron decides to support STC in this way, they become part of the STC family. To celebrate this, I'm very happy to announce that STC will be giving a small gift to our confirmed pledge bequesters. Ta-da! It's very nice. Uh, you can receive one today. We've got one for everyone here. As part of a special community, we invite all Soulmates here today to speak with Mitchell, who's our STC Soulmate Coordinator, uh, about receiving your pin. He's easy to find, he's very tall, and he's wearing a pin himself. <laughs> Both of the incredible artists we're about to hear from have significantly contributed to the spirit of STC right from the beginning. John was STC's first associate director in 1980. And Peter's STC Debut. <laughs> and Peter's SDC debut was in line with the company's debut, in fact, in 1979's A Cheery Soul. Extraordinary. So, and of course, Bruce, you need no further introduction, just it's Bruce Spence, everyone. He's amazing. Please join me in welcoming Peter Carroll, John Gaydon, and Bruce Spence. <clears throat>
2: Uh, thank you very much, Anne. Now, um, before we begin, I'd like to give a special thanks to Judith Seif and our archives department, uh, without whom we would not have this incredible collection of material, which you'll be seeing up here, and that I have, that she's given me here to, uh, to spout. Um, which, uh, but, oh, there we are. There we are. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm thrilled to have these two gentlemen here in front of you t- this afternoon. Now, Peter Carroll yes. is an icon, as a, a, has <laughs> as, as already been said, as an icon of Australian theatre, having appeared in over 60 productions with the STC and celebrated and award-winning artist. Uh, you may remember him from The War of the Roses, Part 1 and 2, The Resistible Rise of um, Arturoi. Um, for his most recent performance at STC as Ariel in the l- last year's The Tempest, directed by Kip Williams. And he won the uh, Sydney Theatre Award for Best Performer in a Supporting Role uh, in a main stage production for that performance. <laughs> now, Peter has, um, this is what it says here, um, Peter has also appeared in dozens of workshops and readings for the company and he was a member of the STC Actors Company from about 2006 to 2009 and a member of the Peer Group, an artistic advisory group led then by artistic director Robin Nevin between 2000 and 2007. Now John Gaydon Equally, I think you'll recognize him, yes. Uh, Equally is remarkable, has a rich history with the STC along with being appointed the first associate director of the STC. John has directed for STC on a number of occasions and been involved with multiple readings and workshops since his debut with the STC in in the 1980s, the sunny South. His recent appearance on stage included St. Joan, Orlando and Rosencrantz and Goldstein are dead. John is, a, John is a, a multiple award-winning actor and having won two Helpman Awards for best male actor in a play, one of which he received for his work in *The Lost Echo* with the SDC in 2001. He joined Peter as members of the of Robin Levin's peer group and as member of the STC Actors' Company from 2006 to 2009. His work as director at STC includes The Life and Adventures of Nicholas Nickles Nickleby, Part 1 and 2, and, like Peter, shares the special achievement of appearing in an over 60 productions as STC alone. They're leading, these two gentlemen are leading artists in the Australian theatre landscape, and both Peter and John have added much to the rich history of this company. Their work, both off and on the stage, provides new insights into our theatrical experience and expands our capacity for storytelling. John and Peter, welcome.
3: Now It's
4: rather frightening, Bruce, to see one's life being flashed in front of...
2: LAUGHTER <laughs> Now, now for, for those that... Um, don't know. The SDC was established in 1979 following the disbanding of the old tote in December of the previous year and with the support of the New South Wales Government and Australia Council, Elizabeth Butcher was seconded from uh, NIDA to administer the new company and John Clark, the director of NIDA, was appointed artistic director and invited companies to help arra- invited companies to help arrange that first season of plays in the drama theatre. At the Sydney Opera House, Paris Theatre Company suggested A Cheery Soul, which was the company's first production. And I'd like to begin by reading out a small section of a very special piece of writing. In 1980, The Sunny South by George Darrell had a special prologue written by David Williamson. Uh, especially for this production. And this piece was written to be performed by the wonderful Ruth Cracknell. But I will um, try my best. <laughs> <clears throat> They're poised on the edge of this decade or pledged to serve a cavalcade of theatre grand and wise and soaring, passionate, vulgar, never boring. And if they do a half of that, I swear by good Greg Chappell's bat that Sydney will be far the richer, a mirror held to life's great picture. And if perchance the off-show stinks, at interval there's always drinks. (laughs) Now, I'd like to um, begin by inviting you both to talk to us uh, through the formation of the Sydney Theatre Company and your involvement. Peter first... Do you remember your first discussion about appearing in a cheery soul?
4: No. <laughs> I, I do remember the, the production, uh, Jim Charman production, and uh, the set would often... There have been several photos of Robin Nevin uh, as Miss Docker in that where she's got the hat down and she's appearing in front of her. A curtain as she's sort of making a way against the wind. It was a very um, uh, well, it was a very imaginative production of Jim's and, uh, and the, um, the play itself was something of a revelation, mm-hmm. I think really to a lot of theater goers. Um, it, it is interesting that some of our major uh, uh, writers and playwrights, all have plays that take a long time to actually reach the stage. It's, a very, it's one of those uh, anomalies. And, I mean, the, the, the play that John and I are in at the moment in Not Go Gentle, it is 20 years, was it, since it won the Patrick White Award and has taken that amount of time to get a, a production, certainly in Sydney. Um,
3: and it a, requires a, a lot of very old actors. <laughs> and, uh, well, that's true. That's we, very, very we've true. been maturing quietly like, <laughs> yes, like yes. a good wine.
4: Yes.
2: So to get back to the original question, no, I don't remember the <laughs> Well, Well, look, um, one of your co-stars, yes. um, Claire Crowther, recently oh, contacted yes. Judy in the archives department with, and um, gave them some photos and, and also along with some anecdotes oh. about your time during rehearsals in the show. Now, yes. I'd like to read out something
4: here. In that photo that's there, I'm the old lady... At the back of those flowers, there's uh, Miss Bishop That's is there? I can s- oh, and Robin is is central, of course, as the the Miss Docker. We all played different roles in the course of the of the evening. I was Mister Custance and Missus Jeb, Miss or Mrs? I think she was a Misses.
2: I'm not sure, but see, because I was in Kip's production of that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I too wore a dress in my time. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, seems to be doing really good. I, so, what did Claire Krauser say? Oh, anyway, here we go. This is what she says: Peter Carroll, who has a deliciously delicate sense of humour, oh, yeah. and I stayed close as we chatted and had cups of tea with the residents. Oh, th- oh this is you going out to. Um, you, to get some character work, you went out to retirement home, right? Yeah. Claire, well, <laughs> Claire, Claire I, I I hope you're. Well, if I hope, said, I hope you're better than this with learning your lines in the goddamn play. <laughs> well, it depends on the lines. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, um, anyway, you, you, you've apparently you visited a retirement village, right? To get some character research, etc. Yes. And she says that Peter who has a deliciously delicate sense of humour and I stayed close as we chatted and had cups of tea with the residents. We absorbed their vocal nuances and physical mannerisms and we stole their personas to flesh out Patrick's brilliant characters. Now, I hope you remember all that stuff because you're playing an old chap in this one too, aren't
4: you? Yes. Well, I've had quite a bit of experience since that time with (laughs) nursing homes for various reasons, as I'm sure most of us uh, probably here today have. But that's very nice. But I think we should move on, Bruce, because if we're going to get stuck in, in uh, uh,
2: no, no, in no, no fair enough. we'll never yeah. <laughs> we get home. Uh, anyway, look, I've, I've got some, um, some quotes here uh, from the uh, 1979 annual report that states that of the capacity at the drama theatre during its run, that production, its total attendance was 91.57%. And that's wow. a pretty bloody good number, isn't it? Yes, it, it? was. Uh, well, yeah. I mean,
4: it's it's hard to remember the the but the actual excitement, um, extraordinary excitement of, of of the 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 Sydney Opera House at that stage. You know, um, and approaching that and going through that stage door was a very uh, formidable experience. Really, I mean, it just seemed to be this immense. Um, Building of of international significance, and suddenly you were a part of it, and it was um, uh, it was um, well, it was a, a very it could be a little bit of a frightening experience, I suppose, um, and a, an opportunity then to start to get to understand the foibles of the particular theatre that was relegated to drama when when the um, opera were taken from the concert hall and got into the drama theatre and the drama theatre was put into the old um, or a disused cinema um, it, it, where we've been ever since. But it, so, it,
2: it was certainly an iconic production. It certainly,
4: absolutely, the design was, was wonderful. And, of course, Robin's product, uh, performance in it was uh, yeah, central. Remarkable. And, and absolutely, um, and certainly won uh, Patrick White's. Right, I do remember uh, my daughter Tamsin was born on the last night of the season, so that sort of dates it very firmly in my mind.
2: Okay, well now on to John. Uh, John, your first first production with the SDC was in 1980 in the sunny south. Uh, We have a photo of that I think somewhere there, yeah. And with this wonderful train on stage with you, it's not a real train, is it?
3: It was pretty good. Mm. Uh, it, 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 it looked wonderful. The trouble was that we were all being bush rangers. It was a terrible play. <laughs> uh, it, Richard, Richard chose it because it was one of the earliest plays performed in the colony. But it really really wasn't up to much. And we were all playing terrible bush rangers who, who held up this train. And we all had guns which we had to fire at it, which had blanks in them. And um, on the opening night, uh, as the train appeared, I fired my gun, and nothing happened, and nothing happened, and nothing happened. So I went, "Oh bugger!" and fired it, and blew, blew the thing into my hand, which was very painful. And th- this this really tough bush ranger suddenly went, "Oh!" <laughs> and from then on, it was a comedy.
2: Uh, <laughs> I, I, Oh, there's all sorts of theatre stories about guns not going off, oh, aren't they? Where yes. someone's gone boom, 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 and you ended up it, just yeah. going bang. Yeah.
3: <laughs> or the famous, the famous one of the... Of the it, I think it was in an Agatha Christie where the gun was supposed to go off and it didn't. And so the butler just kicked the woman and said the toe of the boot was poisoned. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, uh, Peter, you were in that production as well, weren't you?
4: Yes, I was. Yes, I was. Uh, and I do remember that the the actual cries of delight that came from the audience every time the train came on at the end of it, that was the real star of yeah, this. the star.
0: <laughs> was the star.
2: Now, well, listen, uh, uh, John, you were also the um, assistant director for the production with Richard Wirrett. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about that?
3: Uh, no. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, y- yeah, look, it, it was a very exciting time because we were starting a new company. Uh, Richard had a wonderful manifesto for the company, which we were going to try and... It was going to knock the socks off Sydney, and in many ways it did that. Um, and so working with, with, with a group of very enthusiastic people, we rehearsed it in the old Elizabethan Theatre Trust building up, uh, up there, and then moved down into the um, into the opera house as we got going. But um, it was an exciting time. Yeah,
4: John Richard had a, a particular kind of um, um, association of artists, didn't he? That was he
3: did. Uh, there was a sort of a, a, an ensemble company. He he tried to set up a situation where uh, it, it didn't quite work out, um, but it, it it was a it was a, if you were one of the lucky ones who who got the guarantee of being in a few shows. It, it uh, certainly beat beat waiting at home for the phone to ring. Um, he he had um, he, Richard was a wonderful director. Um, he he had a terrific eye for what what worked. He would quite often fall asleep in the director's chair, uh, nod off, or or get look very bored. But every now and again he'd poke up and say, yes, that, that that's good. He was, he, was, he was great. Really, really great director.
2: Thanks. Um, now, we've also got a lovely image of the 1980 program here from the sunny south, oh. which we wanted
4: programs, to... Programs, programs. <laughs> do... Does STC still do programs? Or... Of course they do. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Belvoir doesn't, for example, and I, I just... I, no. you can um, get it online, you know. And I, you know and
2: anyway, I don't we've, I we've, we've got this image here because we wanted to inc- we wanted we wanted to include it because the production was also the debut of Ronald Falk. Yes, who um, went on to star in over thirty productions with the SDC, and Ronald is also an SDC soulmate. Um, yeah. So there you go. Now the, the that assistant director role led to wonderful things for you, John, didn't it? After that. I mean, you were then appointed um, SDC's first associate director under Richard Weirard.
3: That's correct, yeah, yeah, which was, which was a great privilege and it was a, a wonderful, as I said, a wonderful time with the
2: company. Mm. The, um, now, uh, 1983. Yes. SDC at the wharf. Now, yes. Now, um, although the SDC started producing in the late 70s, the, our home here at the wharf wasn't secured and, until quite a bit later. Can you tell us a bit about the search for a home?
3: Yeah, look, it it was interesting. It very quickly became clear that we were going to move into the wharf and then the process began of getting architectural designs for the wharf and the original one that was done by the government architect, which was very good, but it was all the wrong way around. So uh, workshop and wardrobe were up what we called the deep end uh, the, the, the end with the harbour view and everything. And the theatre, the theatre was right down this end because people, they thought people would be able to get off their buses and walk into the theatre, which was a nice idea. And there was also the question of getting stuff on and off the wharf. And I remember we had a meeting and, and Richard said, no, this is all wrong. It's got to be the other way round. We've got to put the theatre and the the social parts of, of the place at the far end. So, a wonderful architect called Viv Fraser, who also designed and uh, renovated the original Belvoir, which was then Nimrod, thank you. Oh, you're also on the ball. Um, uh, he, 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 did, he did the reverse thing. Um, and now, of course, there's been the, the second renovation. One of the wonderful things that always amused me was that there was great concern about fire because it had been a wool wharf and on a, on a warm day you could still smell the lanolin coming out of the wood. And um, there was great concern about that. So one of the suggestions for fire escape was that there would be barges um, <laughs> moored all around the wharf and in the event of a fire we would all rush to the edge, jump onto the barges, it would be cut adrift and we'd go out into the hub. And, <laughs> It was a serious suggestion. Um, that, was, that was ditched, fortunately. <laughs> and, but the result was that the fire department insisted on um, a tunnel all the way up the building. And I don't know if any of you ever got into that tunnel, but it was like sort of going into the lower depths. And it took up an enormous amount of the building. And fortunately, in the, in the new wonderful renovation, it's gone. So, uh, but that—that that was the reason why that was there. Um, and it, look, it—it it was exciting. We we rehearsed. Can I move on to Nicholas Nickleby? Well, I'm about, you... I'm about
2: to do that. Oh, all right. Sorry. No, well, uh, I'm just going to. Me- no, no, no. I was just going to mention, Johnny, that you—you—you um, you were co-director of it, weren't you, with Richard?
3: That's right. Um, Uh, For those of you who remember, Nicholas Nickleby was in two parts. The first part was four and a bit hours and the second part was four and a half hours. And Richard said to me, well, you can do part one and I'll do part two. So I did and we had 34 actors, 650 costumes, 11 and a half weeks rehearsal. Um, It was a massive undertaking. The board were very nervous. And said, no, you can't do it because you will have 34 actors rehearsing for 11 weeks with no income coming in, which would have been a lot of money even in those days. Um, And so we we set out on a charm uh, offensive to get the members of the board to agree. And they finally, to their credit, took the risk because in those days, and I think still directors were responsible for the debts of the company. And that one could have gone down in a massive amount of flames. Anyway, it it, it happened. Uh, We rehearsed some of it up up the road at um, uh, the old Elizabethan Theatre Trust area. South Dowling Street. Thank you, Peter. He's got such a good memory. And um, uh, then towards the end, we moved down here. And I remember the first dress rehearsal was held down here uh, in an area uh kind of along there and we were all terribly excited because we'd been rehearsing for 11 and a half weeks and we did the first rehearsal as we were about to start a gentleman it was a Saturday morning a gentleman with a bagpipe started playing his bagpipe just over there we couldn't go on I I, I you know I, I've competed against many things but not bagpipes um but look the rest is history it it um uh, John,
2: there's, a lovely photo. there's a lovely photo there of a very young John Gaydon. Oh,
3: yes, I yeah, did look re- like that re- one.
2: Rehearsing with the company. <laughs> yes, I,
3: oh, yes. Oh, I think that's rather nice. Uh, I uh, can see and Ruth and, Ruth's there. and Ron, Ronnie Hadrick. We had the most yeah, wonderful um, cast. There was Ruth, Ruth, ha- Ru- Ru- Ruth Cracknell, mm. Ronnie Hadrick, uh, mm, really? Ronnie Falk, uh, the wonderful John Howard who... As a young actor, right. was tall, handsome, so energetic, and he carried that show for eight and a half hours. I mean, it was extraordinary, <laughs> really extraordinary. And he was utterly tireless. I mean, it was Tony Taylor playing uh, yes. the wonderful Smike. Smike. Um, look, I could. Well, there were thirty-four of them, and it was great. Uh, John Stanton playing Ralph Nickleby, very grumpy, very good.
2: Uh, Colin Moody was in it. Was mm. he? Was Colin Moody in that uh, production? No, Colin
3: wasn't in that one. Oh, right. Um, as far as I remember. Um, anyway, it, it it was terrific, and we we then went into the Theatre Royal and did um, we did I think we did a, two weeks of previews. You could see it in different ways. You could see part one on Monday, part two on Tuesday. On Wednesday, you could see the whole thing starting at midday. On Thursday, you could see part one this week and part two next week and Friday. It was very confusing for the actors. Um, and I used, as a director, I used to occasionally go backstage late in the day to sort of cheer the troops on. It was like, it was like a dressing station in the Crimean War. There'd be people like... <laughs> They were exhausted, but they, they were absolutely wonderful. Um, it, was mag-
1: it
2: was really magnificent. Yeah. yeah,
3: One of the great moments, I'll, I'll shut up about it in a minute, no. but one of the great moments for me was when we did one of the dress rehearsals up in what is now a rehearsal room. There was a walkway that you could walk along the top and look down into the rooms. And at that dress rehearsal, um, Neville ran, who been, you know, very much instrumental in setting all this area aside, um, came along, and we sang the final song from part one, which was a patriotic song which went something like, Evermore upon our country, God will pour his rich increase. It uh, went on like that. Neville thought it was for him. And, um, <laughs> and he was terribly pleased and was very supportive of the company from then on. <laughs> So, you see, schmoozing works.
2: Now, um, I think the next picture we have is of the wharf. I think this is this is before. Now, did you have a hand in cleaning that up, mate? Eh?
3: Yes. Yes, no, I was very instrumental in getting all that fixed. Um, it, look, it, it, it was Richard's idea originally was that, I don't know if you know, but there was a... Oh, I've forgotten what it's called, but it's a thing that runs along... The ceiling um, uh, to, a gantry, thank you, um, spot prize to this person um, and he wanted he wanted the set to be able to be landed on uh, loaded onto the gantry and to be brought forward, forward, forward forward, forward, up to the theater, which would have been a wonderful thing, but well the, the, tu- the fire tunnel got in the way, frankly uh, so that was a pity but when you saw it originally i mean it's a, they're wonderful structures, these wharves. I don't know... Because one of the things that happens is... It doesn't happen so much now because there's no ships in the harbour. But if a big ship actually lurched against the wharf, it would go... Or it would move because it's all 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 wooden. Sometimes, you, you, you won, if there were a lot of ships around, you'd wonder if you were feeling a bit whoopsie. Um, <laughs> you're constantly
2: lurching. Um, is, is it was the, was the whole building utilised by the Sydney Theatre Company at that stage?
3: Uh, the whole second floor. Hmm. We never had the, the ground floor, which is now Sydney Dance Bangarra, um, and I think a choir. Um, but up, up st- we always had we always had upstairs and and these these rooms facing onto Hickson Road. Yeah.
2: Okay. Now questions for both of you. Um, You've both appeared in over 60 productions, which is a pretty bloody good achievement, isn't it? After all, Um, do you have any standout productions that you can recall? I know these are questions, I've been given them. It's a terrible question for an actor.
4: Well, uh, I suppose when you're younger, Um, uh, certainly I remember some extraordinary productions particularly of of Rodney Fishers in the 80s the earlier ones there was a wonderful uh, production of Chinchilla. there was uh, an As You Desire Me the Pirandello play there was Masterclass uh, a play about Stalin and Zhdanov and Mm. uh, Pukov yes Pukoviev and uh, Shostakovich and um, they were um, Madras House was another one that that, Aubrey, that, that Rodney did, and they were um, they were beautifully designed and and really um, quite exquisitely directed by Rodney with great attention to detail, but also a swoop of a big narrative. Um, and those productions of his through the eighties um, was uh, were were wonderful. I, I I thought, and I um, I enjoyed being in them and felt very comfortable in them uh, uh, through those through those
3: times.
2: How about you, John?
3: Well, um, for me, Nicholas Nickleby, of course, um, which was major. Um, also, um, <coughs> the Lost Echo, uh, the, the Barry Kosky right. thing. Um, and I'll just tell you one quick story. At the beginning of The Lost Echo, I had to sit on the front of the stage in the Ros Packer and uh, sit on a chair and for 20 minutes I had to tell a long story about Icarus and the uh, and all that. And Barry really, he, only, he, w- he wouldn't let me rehearse. He said, oh, you'll be all right, you'll be all right, you'll be all right. You've just got to sit on the chair and tell the story. So I thought, <laughs> okay, okay. So I did. I did get to rehearse it a couple of times, but on on the opening night, Barry was down in the pit, down there playing the piano with, with all his jewellery on, um, and uh, I was sitting here. I finished it, and it had gone well. I'd remembered most of it, and um, as I'd finished it, and there was some applause, I looked down, and Barry just went.
2: <laughs> oh, no.
3: And I thought, well, either that means you, you're gone, you're sacked, and it was terrible, or maybe um, it's, you know, it's, it was it was wonderful. I never found out what the answer that was, but uh, Peter and I were both. In the, in the Lost Echo, and we, I think we loved it, didn't we?
4: Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, um, well, it was an extraordinary uh, series of plays, all welded by by Barry's extraordinary imagination yeah. and driving power. There are several uh, um, secrets which will be in my memory locked and I shall myself keep the key. Oh, tell us. It, no, 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 no. Because they were very, uh, well, it was exhausting, really, Uh There's um, yes, but it was for the actors' company the first time I think that something really big was unleashed, Mm. uh, and it was Barry's um, extraordinary visual um, imagination and um, uh, with Tom Wright um, that really pushed that pushed that through. Uh, It was in that was another one in two parts. It was, and if we're talking problems, well, four of,
3: parts actually, wasn't it? Well, at
4: four parts, yes, mm. but like in two sections. But the um, what was disconvobulating from that point of view is that we had part could do part one on Monday, part two on Tuesday, and the both on the Wednesday matinee. But to make sure that there would be some uh, patrons who could go to a Wednesday matinee and see different. Um, uh, uh, See, like the whole, over a fortnight. What it meant was that you did part one on uh, Monday, part two on Tuesday, and settled up to part two at, very early on the next Wednesday and then finished up with part one confusing. on Tuesday. Confusing, very uh, confusing. The last one, of course, in, uh, involved uh, um, an upbeat version of uh, the Bacchae of Euripides followed by the winterizer of Schubert. And um, that at twelve o'clock in the morning was was uh, a big ask, may I say? Yes.
2: Well, um, then, just following on from that, because time's marching on. Um, um, w- while we're um, uh, chatting about this book, we'll bring up this. Who's that? That's oh, well,
3: that's Peter Carroll.
4: That's that's Madrad House. Madras yes. House.
2: That's right. Uh, uh, Is that
4: Alex Boussard? No, it was Granville Barker. Oh, sorry. But it was was one of the, uh, I think there were 21 parts in it. It was a a set of a a play about a mercantile family. There were nine daughters um, in a big family situation and... And mercantile um, interests and all of the the fortunes of the family, and uh, Rodney decided, and Rodney directed it, and he decided that every single actor would play one part only. So there was no doubling. So he had 21 actors, which meant the the budget for the um, set was just one ramp, but but also a, a piano. And Max Lambert played played the Elgar variations uh, to sort of keep going with this uh with the victorian um ideal of it all and um it was it was good oh there was however one uh member of the cast who actually staggered onto stage at um 20 past 10 to say uh, mr B- whatever your name is uh, lord so-and-so has come and that was it that was her part and uh i should say also that when you weren't doing a scene we had to sit in chairs um around the periphery of the stage which was quite severely ragged. and um, so we decided it if you were sitting just watching it was all right for you to be sort of lost in thought it was absolutely not on for you to actually fall out of the chair <laughs> as uh, one actor I must say was saved at the last minute from doing can, but,
3: um, can, can I just tell a story yep. about yep. A, a, a play called, um, well, I, I forgot what it was called now. Um, Neil Armfield directed it and it was called, um, uh, oh, it was about uh, Helen Morse and I and, and Frank Gallagher were in it and it was about a woman who recognises her torturer from 20 years before. Oh, yes. Um, uh, it, uh, and um, what was it called? Bum, 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 bum. Mm. Yes. There. Death and the Maiden. Thank you. Death door prize here um, And look, it was wonderful. And Helen Morse was amazing in it. She was an extraordinary performance. And at one point in the play, uh, she realised that I was the man who'd been her torturer. And she forced me to strip to my underwear, you'll be glad to hear, and um, and tied me up. So I was lying sort of naked on the stage tied up and she was threatening me with a gun and fired the gun and as we'd been um, uh, listening to the audience coming in a couple came in they were quite elderly uh, he was clearly drunk and very loud and saying oh do you, I don't want to be here do you, do you? Anyway, so we thought oh that'll be fun anyway they went and set up the back and um occasionally you'd hear him going oh during the show and at the point where she fired the gun He woke up and said, oh, is he dead yet? (laughs) And and she said, no, he's not dead. He said, oh, oh, bugger, and went back to sleep. (laughs) Uh, And that's one of the problems of working in close proximity to people, you know. Um, The, um... Yes.
2: The, um... Look, we, we, we're, I know. Yeah, I've, I've been given the five-minute call. Oh five um, call. the five um, We're up to
4: 1986. Something <laughs> I <about> know <laughs> we have a
2: look. Look, you'll,
4: I, you'll have to come back tomorrow.
2: That's right. But, but before the, before everybody goes, let's just slip through these um, photos we've got of you lot. Yeah performing uh, That's um, The Perfectionist. That's The Perfectionist with uh, Peter, Peter and Robin Nevin. And
4: right? a very uh, and Hugo Weaving, a very yep. young Hugo yep. Weaving just out of drama school. And wonderful. Then,
2: and then we've got Mother Courage.
4: Yes, Mother Courage. It's Kota. all Peter Carroll. How yes. boring.
2: Um, <laughs> no, what do you want? Nancy
4: next? Hayes. Nancy uh, Hayes. In, uh, Peter uh, uh, um, The Summer Rain, that wonderful musical. And, and now we've got of S- production.
2: Season of Sarsaparilla.
4: Oh yes.
2: Now this is um this is Peter and uh, John and they were married.
4: Yes, and Mrs. Custance. Yes, we were. Uh, we, um, uh, that was uh, Benedict Andrews set. You know, it's set in uh, Patrick White Place. Three three households, and he put it all in the one household. Yes, and um so the it meant if I was at the sink, someone else could be at the. At the stove, and someone else could be getting something from the refrigerator, and and or sitting at the table. So it all had to be really orchestrated to within an inch of its life. But also, it was um, they were f- screens. The beginning of. Film in, in theatre, and there were screens at either side of the stage, and so they were being filmed. So that when you sat at the table, although they weren't marks, you had to be exact, as exact as if it were a film, otherwise the image would have been blurred. So it was a, a very big ask to rehearse, but once uh, we sort of cracked that through repetition, it became a, a real. Uh, a great joy to, 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 to perform. Okay,
2: well, that's, <clears throat> that's, I think there's more too now. There's oh, another well. one which is um, another, The Lost Echo. Oh, yes.
4: <coughs> well, we're You're talking about Barry imagination. imagination. That yes,
2: yeah. <laughs> that's right.
4: Nobody <laughs> well, um, would set a Greek drama where else but in a men's toilet. <laughs> You're you're both in
3: a dress here. And I, then, then I, we're both in a dress in a, in a men's toilet, and <laughs> well, the back eye
4: you see is the is the one day when men dress up as women. It's a, it's a reversal of the of the uh, of the
3: sexes in and the i n- I don't think they were wearing, you know. Satin ball gowns and No, and mine was particularly fetching, I think. The, <laughs> the
4: problem of what it was fetching. Because there were the a lot of there were lots of LIDA students in the production of all this. Well, lost Peter, echo. Peter
2: I want your opinion. How do I look in this? I'm I'm, I'm second from the left. No oh yes oh, that's, very fetching, uh, yes. Very,
4: very fetching.
2: So uh, Well, I've,
4: I think you're pushing your way forward <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little bit there, and, I would have said. But okay. I just want to finish up with those poor students because they had to come in during where we were with the urinals. There was also a, um, a, 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 a closed, a door compartment, and they had to come. Do you remember over the top of it yes. and come through with a lot of yes. terrible liquid, whatever that was? And um, they got stuck one night. That the actual door wouldn't do it, so you had lots of them coming in, but they couldn't get out. <laughs> That was a particularly um, <laughs> Greek tragedy, that night.
2: Well, uh, let's just um, race through these photos. Ooh, oh, that was a quick one. there's John Gaydon again, and uh, we're back to the wharf. Yeah. Um, and that's... Yeah, there we are. Don't uh, tell me Peter you forgot Peter Carroll and John Gaydon.
4: Is that the Don't Tell Me You Forgot the Fish? I can't see what and, it is. <coughs> yes. And... Um, am I, in the, am I here, in the dress?
2: Here we have the, the, once again the journey of the wharf yes. um, from...
4: Yes, we seem that to be mess obsessed with
3: that. To, yes. re-
2: to rehearsals. Yeah. Uh, th- and more rehearsals.
3: Yes. Yes, more more. That was Nicol- Nicholas Nickleby rehearsal. Then
2: 2019, the renovation. Yeah. And um, 2023, yes. two- 2023 yes. um, the costume department. Um, yeah. I don't know where we've got the next one. That's Andy Byron Jen. Peter Carroll, once again. Peter, you're
1: starring here today. Yes,
4: that's the thing. It it is interesting. I mean, I I think really uh, as a building and an arts uh, uh, centre, the Sydney Theatre Company has an unrivaled situation. It is extraordinary to be working in a building like that and to step out and there's water all around. The extraordinary beauty of the harbour with the bridge and all of that. It is, it is a remarkable um, um, place to work, and it is a place that continually feeds the imagination because there is space and there is water, um, and, and always something going on in the harbour. Of course, uh, and day and night, it has its own feelings and sunsets and all of those things as the, as the year. As the year uh, changes, the season. Well, and
2: let's, let's come now to the present. Um, you've both returned to the stage <coughs> and do not go gentle. She's playing um, here at the Ros Packer. Um, can you tell us how rehearsals are going?
3: Great. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're we're having the best time. Um, I I don't want to give too much away, but it, it is it is a group of people who are in. Well, they're in a home for the bewildered, but they think they're Scott of the Antarctic. Um, so it, it, uh, you don't even have to change your mindset as you walk into the room. We're all a bit <laughs> bewildered. <laughs> and we're just being ourselves, really, aren't we, Peter? Sort of, yeah. yeah. sort of. <laughs> um, and, and it's... Um, look... Paige Ratray, who's the director, is running a wonderful room. Uh, we've got a great cast. Philip Cost is playing Scott, who urges us on. Uh, Vanessa Downing is uh, is is with us, um, and Bridget, uh, whose name I surname I've forgotten, isn't that dreadful? And Josh McConville. Uh, it's a it's a great it's a great cast. What's a, what's
2: your assistant director like? Is it-
3: I've forgotten his name. Um, He's very tall and uh, he has quite a lot of experience and he shakes his head a lot when you you make an offer.
2: He's a a shadow, isn't (laughs) he?
3: No, Bruce, you're a very welcome presence in the room, let me say.
2: Oh, you're just stroking me, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we've
3: got three weeks to
2: go. <laughs> yes.
4: And, Bruce, I know we're, we're being uh, time as our enemy, as it always is, but I, I do want to just take this opportunity to thank you as an audience. It's, it is extraordinary if we think we've both done 60 productions at that company, and and we've gone on that journey through our lives with with you, so many of you, um, uh, who, who have been with the company since well from the old tote days, and then into into this extraordinary place today. But it's so many years, and and for me it is it is so utterly important that I know my audience and I know and love this Sydney audience which has been a part of my life for all that time and um, that's one of the big gifts and the good things about growing old is that you've still got your mates (laughs) around you and uh, because I know we've taken you on some rather these sort of flights of fancy <laughs> over the years. But that's all right. That's good. And you keep coming back for more. <laughs> we keep dishing it out if we're lucky to do so. So I, I take the opportunity to thank you and um, and, on and on and on and see what will happen.
2: Thanks, Peter. Um, b- before we go, um, we've just got one final question uh, and I've uh, got a nice little surprise. Um, um, well, speaking of that nice little surprise... I've got here somewhere the image of Peter and John. There it is. In Wedded Bliss uh, from the 2007 production of The Season of Sarsaparilla, that Peter and John will sign as a Lucky Door Prize. Um, Peter and John, thank you very, very much. It's been a pleasure. And it's vital, as I says here, that, that and it's vital that we acknowledge the artists and audience who have shaped this company, just as Peter has yeah. spoken, and we celebrate the STC legacy we have today. And with each production, artist, audience members, each commission, artistic appointment or development, the STC le- legacy has grown, and our community and our capacity to tell stories has grown as well. Thank you everyone here for joining us this afternoon and for your support for the, uh, the uh, SDC. Your generosity helps us engage these world-class artists in productions like Do Not Go Gentle and like Peter and John, your support helps build SDC's legacy and secure it for the future. Um, I'd, um, no, I think we're gonna have to cut that short because time is of the essence. Um, Just a reminder, um, any confirmed bequest pledges we have in the room today are welcome to speak to Mitchell, the STC's Soulmate Coordinator, for your pin. And if anyone has any questions about bequest giving or any questions at all, we have many philanthropy team members in the room here this afternoon who would love to answer any questions you have. Thanks once again, Peter and John, thanks.
0: That was Peter Carroll, John Gaydon and Bruce Spence discussing their iconic STC legacies, beginning with the company's formation back in 1979. If STC has played a significant role in your life, you may like to consider making STC part of your own personal legacy. A legacy gift of any size makes a lasting impact and allows Sydney Theatre Company to continue creating memorable theatre. For more information, please visit the STC website. We'll be back soon with another episode of the podcast, but in the meantime, we look forward to seeing you in the theatre soon.